You are listening to episode 54 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Alistair McCaw. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, this is Mirban and we're here with Alistair McCaw. Uh, Alistair was a guest on episode 11 of the Tennis Files Podcast, which seems like yesterday. Uh, we had such an amazing time talking about, uh, things like setting standards for athletes and just in general, how, uh, tennis players and, and all people can succeed in their, in their lives. And so we're here today with Alistair and, you know, just to kind of recap all the amazing things he's done. Uh, Alistair is a world-class sports performance specialist and owner of the McCall Method. Uh, Alistair also currently trains U.S. Open finalist Kevin Anderson, who's been ranked as high as 10 in the world. Uh, and he had an amazing experience uh, being with Kevin at the U.S. Open. Uh, Alistair is also a former professional athlete and coach of over 25 years. And I'm really, really excited for uh, Alistair because uh, he has just uh, released uh, his new book, Champion Minded, uh, which he wrote with uh, Jenny Robb, who I actually met a couple months ago, who's a great person as well. And Alistair previously wrote uh, Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach as well. Um, and Alistair was, uh, kindly, uh, gave us his time on the world's first, uh, online tennis, uh, conference that I hosted called the Tennis Technique Summit. But, uh, Alistair, I just want to thank you so much, you know, first and foremost for everything you do for athletes and people. And I really am excited to have you on the show. Hey, Mir Ben, it's great to be back. And, uh, thank you for that introduction. Um, no, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure sharing and, uh, and just making uh, making coaches, making players, or, or making everybody better around you. Um, I think that should should always be the goal of, of people who get into this industry. So, but thank you, I appreciate it. I know we appreciate you, Alistair, and you're definitely one of the uh, most inspiring people that you know I've come across uh, in my life. And thank so, you. Uh, no, I appreciate it. And so, uh, you know, first question for you, Alistair: You've written a book before, but uh, did it get any easier for you writing Champion Minded <laughs> this time around? <laughs> uh yes and no um i i thought it would be easier but uh it actually was just as much a challenge um you know the easy part is is actually writing uh because you know you just have have that experience and you have that that information in your head and that knowledge in your in your mind that you just want to get out um it's the structuring and which which uh, you just mentioned there jenny Walls Rob, who did an unbelievable job there uh, structuring the book because it was super easy for me to compile all the information, but to get the structure in the book was a challenge. So she did an amazing job there. Um, so I just want to really uh, put it out there uh, for Jenny. Thank you. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you think you're near the finish line, and, and anyone who's written a book out there will, will understand what I'm talking about here and sympathize in a way but you think you're near the finish line but you're not and there's just so much more to do uh, and then of course once the book comes out it's 
it's uh, marketing is a big side, which which I know you have a lot of experience in as well. Um, it's 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 a continuous effort. It really it's not something the book is out and you sit back and watch it sell. Uh, you really have to be getting out there and making it making it happen. That's fantastic, Austin. I mean, you you really do have to be champion minded as well when it comes to writing yeah. books. I mean, I, I I've just heard from others that it's it's really a, a really uh, involved process. So, um, and you know, I, I've listened to some podcasts of yours, including uh, Adam Blitcher, who, who did a great interview, uh, uh, you know, with you. And so, I know you've you've talked about this before, but it's such a great story, at, at least for me, and I'm sure for everyone else. So, what was the inspiration for for writing Champion Minded? Um, I mean, obviously, I've I've been coaching for 25 years, and and the vision and the dream was always to to write books one day. Um, and obviously, starting off with Seven Keys was was a great book to start with for for coaches. Um, I just felt uh, spending so much time around high performers, not just in sports, but but in business and and uh, entertainment, um, that they had all the same commonalities and. Uh, I think it was 2013, uh, being in Rome, where I got to chat with with Rory McIlroy, and I got to meet Cristiano Ronaldo, two uh, very exceptional athletes in, uh, today. Um, and I, when I when I ask a high performer, you know, what one of the keys or what the keys are to success, um, the same answers pretty much come up, and that's that's self belief because the skills are all there. Uh, to get to an elite standard, you've got to have the skills. So it really comes down to believing in those skills and believing in yourself when, uh, you know, when things aren't going going to plan. So I would say it's 2013, um, chatting to those two two uh, exceptional performers. Um, that's where I came up with with the name Champion Minded, uh, and uh, already the vision had started. Um, you know, it's one thing I tell people is you've got to have a vision, and you've got to have a purpose. So. Um, I already visualized the the cover of the book uh, before it was, um, you know, before I even put pen to paper. So that's that's how it started. Uh, you know, you talk about vision and how that's kind of, you know, you have to have the right sort of vision uh, in contrast with maybe visions of, uh, you know, dreams of grandeur and things like that. So how do you guide your athletes to develop the right type of vision that will help facilitate them achieving their goals? Well, you see, there's two dynamics here, and there's there's the pushing and there's the pulling. And you know, a job as a coach is to, in a way, facilitate and, and push the athlete and take them to places they've, they they never felt they they could have got to. However, at the end of the day, it comes down to the athlete, their their desire, their motivation, um, and their vision. And and the vision will pull you when that vision is strong enough and that purpose is strong enough. That's going to pull you. So. You know, it's it's. I know coaches that are listening out there. They've, they've maybe had a kid in front of them who's super skilled, got great potential, but you know they don't love the game or or they don't want what the parents maybe want. For example, um, you see, there's no there's no vision there uh, f- from that kid personally. So a vision is just so so important. Um, you know, some like to to refer to it as a dream. Um, I don't particularly like w- using the word dream. Um, dream is something that uh, is happening uh, in your sleep in a way as where a vision is a is a conscious decision and something you see on a on a daily basis and something you have control of to think about on a daily basis so um even as a kid i can remember visualizing myself standing on on top of the world championship um uh, podium uh, visualize myself getting getting national colors visualize myself getting 
uh, to the start line at a, at a world championship event. You know, these type of things where it starts, it can start at a very young age. Yeah, Lester. And, you know, something that I thought was just incredibly brilliant uh, that I read in Champion Minded was that, you know, when you were a uh, younger kid, you you stuck a sign above your bed uh, so that you that said Alistair McCaw world champion so that, you know, every morning when you wake up, you'd see it. So I, what, what prompted you to do that? Was that just on your own volition or did somebody advise you to do that or how how'd that happen? No, I mean, it was just it's hard to explain. Um, it's just something I had from a very young age, just the determination to to be a champion or, or be something um, exceptional in, in a sport. Um you know, I first wanted to be be a tennis player, but it was pretty tough from a financial point of view uh, growing up. So I took up running, which which was obviously cheaper, and then from there went into triathlon and duathlon, uh, ultra distance sports. Um, but yeah, from a young age, I can remember uh, writing quotes, uh, sticking them above my bed. Um, you will be a champion. You will make this happen. And that was as early as ten, eleven years old. So um, no. Um, my parents never pushed me. Um, they hardly came to, to, to see me compete or play, which I'm grateful for. Uh, they loved me, of course, but they just said, hey, uh, you get out there, you learn the life lessons, you fight your own battles. Um, and so, yeah, that motivation was just it, it was just intrinsic. It, it was just I love to do it. And, um, yeah, that, that's how it came about. I mean, that's really incredible, Alistair. I applaud you for that. And so, you know, it's kind of going around that theme. Uh, a lot of us, we obviously hit these critical points where we know we need to make the right decision. Let's say we need to work out or we need to, uh, you know, write a chapter. Um, but then we have this feeling of uh, laziness or wanting to feel comfortable or temptations or whatever it is. And that overcomes uh, the ability to make the right decision. And so how can people overcome this feeling and, and make the right choice in the face of, uh, you know, adverse uh, choices? Again, it comes down to how deep your purpose is because motivation is something that you, you continually have to keep uh, working on. Um, you know, even the most positive people uh, aren't always positive. Uh, the differences and how quick they can get rid of negative thoughts. And, you know, people see me as positive and inspiring, and which is which is nice. But I also wake up sometimes not feeling motivated or, or, or feeling like, like doing what I'm supposed to do. But I suppose that's where that, that foundational um, discipline comes in and something I speak about in the book about uh, your competitive um, uh, discipline coming from foundational discipline. And that foundational discipline is just what you do on a daily basis, waking up in the morning, uh, for example, I have a morning routine, uh, which gets which gets me in the right frame of mind. I make my bed every morning, regardless if I'm staying at home or in a hotel. Uh, again, um, the routine of of reading, the 20 minute routine of stretching, and you know, before I walk out the door, uh, um, I've already achieved five or six things, which which makes me feel good and puts me in the right frame frame of mind of discipline. So, um, I think that's what it comes down to. You need structure you need um continuous self-talk um i mean it's it's something that's a skill that you have to work on every day and, and it's you know it's not a gift it's not a talent it is really something you make a conscious choice to live a more positive lifestyle be more um accepting of your weaknesses 
accepting of your um, your imperfections, and I think that's that's where you come to a place of, in a way, serenity and and um, and just getting more more done from yourself, not being so hard on yourself, for example. Well, I really appreciate that, Alistair. And you know, part of this uh, podcast is just trying to examine. Uh, you know, world-class, uh, you know, athletes, coaches, uh, and the best, you know, in the business and what they do. And so you mentioned, obviously, your morning routine. And I want to just maybe dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, which you outlined in the book. And can you kind of go into, uh, you mentioned some of them, but your your morning routine, you know, once you wake up, what, what you do and, and the purpose for doing each one of those things? All right. Well, I get up, I get up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, you know, people people usually ask me, "Hey, what time do you get up?" And my question is always, "You should be asking me what time I get to bed because that's the most important mm-hmm. uh, question, not time what time you get up." So, um, I, I get into bed around about nine thirty, and then lights out by ten. I like to read uh, and do some self reflection. Um, but morning routine: first things first, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't start my day without without a, a cup of Joe. Um, then I'll, I'll check my Twitter, uh, which, uh, which I obviously follow inspirational people and I get a dose of positivity and good news. First of all, I don't follow any negative, uh, negative stuff. So I'm already getting my, myself into the right frame of mind. Um, then I'll do a, a, a conscious 20 minutes of reading. It might be something spiritual. It might be something uplifting, or it might be just part of the book I'm reading at that moment. Um, and then I'll get, uh, I'll get dressed and, and I'll do my stretching and foam rolling, uh, routine, uh, every morning, which, uh, which just keeps me feeling healthier. And, um, and then I'll have, have breakfast, shower, get, get ready for work and leave. And usually I'll listen to a podcast in the car, even if it's for five, 10 minutes. Um, I'm just, you know, putting some positivity in, in my head and making sure I step into the uh, into the workplace in a really positive and uplifting mood. Um, and then later on in the day, I'll have a 20 minute nap, which is, which is vital, uh, just to switch off mentally and physically and, uh, and have a, a really good second, second part of my day. So I call them the four, four twenties. Um, one, sorry, one other one was thoughtfulness, um, consciously thinking about other people. Uh, for example, somebody that's maybe playing a match that day, somebody that's writing an exam, somebody that's maybe ill, um, sending them a message. So I consciously will, in a way, look at my phone and think of people of who might need a message that day. And, um, yeah, those are, those are what I call my 420s. Those are the most important, uh, mini routines of the day. I think it's really fantastic that you talk about that in the book, Alistair, because I mean, morning routine really can make uh, an incredible impact on your day. I mean, I know for me, and everyone's different, but I, I always like to wake up and then do some sort of, uh, you know, activity, exercise, usually go to the gym, um, and then meditate and then, uh, write, uh, you know, in a journal just for a couple minutes to talk about what I'm grateful for. Um, and, and you, uh, you know, I guess this is a good segue to training journal, uh, having one because you actually, I read in the book that you have kept a training journal since you were, 11 years old, uh, which is really uh, amazing and a testament to, uh, you know, your, your success and discipline and, and you in general. And so can you talk about the importance of having a training journal and, you know, what type of information we should be recording in it? Well, um, no matter what you're doing, you, 
you want to get the best performance out of yourself. So you might be an athlete, you might be a coach, you might be um, in corporate business, whatever it may be. You know, the goal should be that you're striving to get the best from yourself. Um, you know, when I ask the question in workshops or conferences, uh, who wants to be mediocre? There's not many hands that go up, or there's there's no hands that go up. Everybody wants wants greatness in their lives. But um, a journal for me, growing up as an athlete, was was a, a, a way of just having pride in, in the work I was doing, number one. Number two, it was to have something to look back on on the previous season to see what worked and what didn't work. Um, also to keep, a, you know, to keep notes of um, how I felt. Um, uh, I mean, I, I kept everything in there from my heart rate to the temperature I was training in. I was, it was really, really detailed, even at such a young age. So... Um, it was something that gave me confidence. It was something that gave me pride. It was something I could self-reflect in. Obviously, as the years has gone on and I no longer compete at that level, um, a journal has, has stayed just as important from an aspect of, of um, writing down my gratitude in there, obviously having my schedule for the day, uh, my meetings, my appointments, um, my trips, for example. And then at the end of the day, I always... Um, spend just a few minutes writing down my self-reflection for the day. Um, what I felt I did well, what I felt, feel I could do better in, um, and also where I felt I moved forward, where I got better that day. So again, it's just something that, um, you know, I've always believed in putting pen to paper. Uh, there's just something about that, just like how I like my books as well. I like the book in, in my hand and I'm not a huge, uh, digital or, or, Kindle fan, for example, but some people like that. But uh, I think if I had a Kindle, there would be a lot of uh, highlighter marks on the screen because <laughs> I love to I love to highlight in books. So yeah, that's that's the importance of keeping a journal. Just the pride of it. Um, it builds self confidence and it obviously gives you something to look back on and see what you did well or or didn't. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. That's fantastic, Alistair. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I read in the book it said get your highlighter ready, and I mean that's really important because there's so many uh, great uh, you know points and pieces of advice in this book. And what I really like is that you you know each uh, subsection is pretty short. And can you you mentioned that athletes in general digest information in little uh, pieces? And is that I mean is that what you found through research or just talking through your athletes about you know the type of the way they digest their information? Yeah, I mean we have to look at the generation we're we're working with today, um, especially you know uh, young athletes that were born in the nineteen nineties two thousands our Nixters generation right now. Uh, you know you have to look at what forms of social media and how best they're communicating and that's that's short and that's um getting the message across very very quickly um i know working with young athletes that more than 90 percent will not read a book if if you give it to them um you know you just we just have to look at social media sources like snapchat twitter um these type of things where they're getting a message across and making it you know just clear so 
right from the get-go with this book, I wanted to have chapters that were no longer than two pages. So the majority of the chapters are all just one page, which is easy for a coach to give a player to read for, you know, hey, read a page a day. That's all I'm asking. Um, you know, or we could just get a really just clear message across in, in, uh, in a very short form. So it's the feedback already has been exceptional. Um, already, you know, people telling me that, that the, they're 13, 14 year old kids or are, are reading and, and enjoying it because they're not seeing these, these huge chapters to get through. They're seeing one or two pages, which is obtainable. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a brilliant move that that you've done. I mean, I just love the way that uh, the book is laid out, where you have the seven sections, um, and then you know, there's there's chapters, and you can, you know, if you're ever having trouble with a particular, you know, section mm -hmm. of of what you're doing, you can just go mm -hmm. to the index and then refer to it. So that's really uh, well. Really again, brilliant. Again, all credit to Jenny for that. Um, she was the one that that uh, went through that and. And uh, did a fantastic job there. So yeah, Jenny, Jenny Walls, Rob, amazing job. Yeah, for sure. I remember uh, in Atlanta a couple of months ago, sitting and having a, a breakfast with uh, Jenny, and then Dean Hollingsworth and uh, Dominic King, and uh, really. Ah, uh, you got a you got a quality table there. Those are quality people. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I hope to do that again soon. But you know, as far as the sections of Champion Minded, you've got you know preparing to train, learning to train developmental training, competitive training, before competition, during competition, and after competition. Out of all these sections, uh, I know everyone's different, but is there a particular section that you find athletes to have the most trouble with? Um, I think it's definitely the competing because um, that's where, you know, where obviously the most pressure is and um, the most expectation is, especially for a young athlete or, you know, if they're in a, um, a family where, uh, there's expectations on them to, to win, for example, which you'll find is a word I hardly use in the book. I've maybe used it two or three times in that, that whole book. I, my, one of my goals was not to, not to use that word very much. Um, you know, compete is, is my favorite word when it comes down to that. But I would say definitely the, the, the competition section, um, how to deal with nerves, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with um, expectation. I, I think that would probably be the, the, the section that, that jumps out for me in there. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that's great. Uh, I appreciate you mentioning that. And, uh, I mean, obviously we mentioned Kevin Anderson. Uh, I, I really had, had the great pleasure of uh, – interviewing him at uh, the city open and you know something that i noticed that you talk about in the book is uh self-talk and what i asked kevin also in uh in the uh press conference afterwards was i noticed how much he would be you know pumping himself up being positive you know i noticed in his match with i think it might have been team that even after he lost the first set you know at at one zero he was fist pumping and and can you kind of just talk about the qualities that the, the champion minded qualities that Kevin Anderson, uh, you know, exhibits. Well, I mean, Kevin, uh, has an incredible team around him. So including you, um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of the first things I do when people congratulate me on Kevin's success. And I, I tell them, listen, it's, it's a team, team effort. I'm probably a percent of that. Um, 
you, you know, I don't, I don't travel so much on the road with him because I obviously have my, my own business going here. But, um, you know, Kevin has an, an incredible um, uh, psychologist, Alexis, down in, in Fort Lauderdale, uh, who's worked with some exceptional athletes. She has Jay. She has Neville. Uh, Charlie, we, you know, obviously Kelsey as well. It's just a, just an amazing team around him that he's, that he's, um, put himself in that environment. He understands the importance of good people. And, um, you know, that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, we, we encourage him every day. He gives us great feedback and he's incredibly coachable. So, uh, as you probably, probably noticed meeting him as well, um, he's humble. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got time for people. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say I'm very fortunate to be in this position and very fortunate that um, I was asked to, to join this team three years ago and been through the ups and been, been through the downs. And I'm sure there'll be many more of, of both. And that's the journey, you know, and he understands the journey. Yeah, I'm sure you're extremely proud of Kevin, uh, as we are. But, uh, you know, obviously, you, I saw pictures of you at the U.S. Open, you know, with Kevin the day before and day of, you know, the championship match. I saw actually you you all having breakfast. That was just incredible to see. Uh, before. Which, he, which he got, by the way. So it just shows the quality <laughs> of the guy where he actually went out. Uh, in the morning and got us got us breakfast so uh, the, i don't think there's many players that would do that <laughs> yeah no for sure it's just class act and can you talk about just maybe uh, one of the most memorable moments for you being uh being with kevin and and the team at the us open that's a good question because there was there was a few special moments but obviously um being in the final uh the locker room is a mm-hmm. Is a, is a funny place because two weeks earlier there were 200-odd people in that locker room and then on the final day there's just two players and their teams and obviously it was was the amazing Rafa Nadal was, was the opponent that day. Um, I'm going to put it this way. It was just our, I would say, our preparation, uh, sitting there as a team before he went out. We were listening to some South African um uh, well, Shakira, but she was she was uh, singing Waka Waka, which is a South African uh, nice. World Cup song, which which we enjoyed. So it was building up that that feeling of of our culture because the majority of the team is, is South African. Um, so again, one of those things where it, it, it you know touches you a little bit deeper. And then um, you know I've always been a huge ad- admirer of of Nadal. Um, he's a gentleman. He's gracious in defeat and, and victory. And after the final, he came into the locker room and, and the first thing he did was uh, congratulate our team on, on the effort of the week. And not just the player, but he individually came up to each of us. So that will always be something that stands out for me. That's incredible. I'm just so happy for you, you know, with all the blood, sweat, and tears you put in to, you know, be able to experience a moment like that. That's That's really amazing. Um, and so obviously you, you talk about resilience and grit, which I really appreciate because that's something, uh, that, uh, all of us need to remember and, and, uh, exhibit, you know, in the tough times. And, uh, you speak about this in the book. And so can you talk about, you know, the importance of resilience and also if possible, maybe a story about either yourself or an athlete, uh, you know, going through a tough time and then bouncing back. Mm -hmm. I think I want to start with this, and especially today, there's a lot of a lot of books out there about mindset and, and resilience and grit, and 
I think the most important thing is joy of of really loving what you're doing and and you know that's where it starts because if you have joy and you love what you're doing you're willing to work harder dig deeper um acquire resilience and grit um you know we we all talk about mental toughness but you know um grit and resilience being obviously closely linked to mental toughness but mental toughness is not something that you get from a book or watching an inspirational movie or in any given Sunday speech. Um, mental toughness comes through experiences. And you're always, you're always going to find that some of the top performers out there and people I even interviewed for the book that are, that are Olympians and world-class athletes have been through some adversity in their life at some stage. <clears throat> it can be something uh, – it's usually something very impactful – something that gives them a deeper purpose, for example, or something they're maybe going through right now. So, um, you know, it's all good and well reading about grit, reading about resilience. Mm -hmm. However, it's our experiences. And this is something I say to young athletes is every day in your practice, you are gaining an experience and you're either taking advantage of, of those moments or you're not, or you're letting them pass them by, or you're trying to, um, uh, brush them off, for example. So those challenges are negativity, negative mindset, uh, playing playing the way you don't really want to, performing the way you don't want to, and how you overcome that. Um, so start there. Start by winning your practices. Start by being positive under pressure. Start being positive when it's not going well. There's where you can definitely learn more resilience. Exactly. No, I, that's that's uh, amazing advice that everybody needs to needs to heed. And you know, Alistair, I've been really enjoying reading the book so much, and I've already started highlighting. Uh, and and so it's it's been great. And so, uh, you know, one one other question I want to ask you about the book is, if you if you would tell if you want somebody to take one thing from the book, uh, you know one thing that they that you want them to learn i mean what what would you want the reader to to learn from the book um that it doesn't require talent or skill it requires attitude um greatness is not reserved just for some people it's reserved for anyone who's willing to step forward uh be brave uh learn how to fail make hard choices and put in the work. I think that's something that, that I really wanted to get across in this book is that greatness is for all of us. Uh, if, if you're, if you have the courage and the determination and the will to, to step forward, uh, it's, it's available for those. So that's, that's something amongst other things I really wanted to get across. That's, uh, it's awesome, Alistair. And again, you know, it's, uh, I really applaud you writing this book and, and I know you're going to impact and have already impacted so many people. And so I know you have to go pretty soon, but I just want to ask you for all the, the people out there and the, you know, the listeners, where can we find a uh, champion minded? All right. For us buyers, it's, it's available directly from my webpage, alistairmccoa.com. Um, and of course it'll be available on Amazon worldwide. So, uh, those are two, two places they can go to. Fantastic, Alistair. And so what, what's next for you in terms of, I know you're traveling everywhere and you're in Miami right now, which we appreciate you speaking with us. And so what, what are some things you're, you're going to be up to next? I'm super busy a few months ahead. I'm, I'm speaking at a few places, Orlando next week at USPTA. 
Um, and and uh, I'm also in training for marathon number 29, which will be in December. Um, and then um, I'm, I'm looking at uh, starting book number three very soon. So wow. super excited about that, that coming along. Wow, wow. I can't wait for that, Alistair. Well, again, uh, everybody, I really, really encourage you to uh, check out Champion Minded. We'll have a link in the show notes for, for the book. Uh, it's, it's been a great read so far and uh, really proud of what you've done, Alistair. And uh, again, really appreciate, appreciate you know, how you know, inspiring you are to this generation of players and every, all the hard work you do and such, such a great message that you, uh, you know, put throughout, you know, each, each and every day for all of us. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and we wish you the best of luck. Mirban, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, for all you give back to the sport as well, um, you're appreciated. So thank you. Cool. Thanks, Alistair. All right. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Alistair McCaw. I really appreciate everything that Alistair is doing uh, for tennis players, athletes, and people in general. And he's definitely one of my favorite people in the tennis world. And I highly encourage you once again to check out Alistair's book, Champion Minded. Uh, I've really been enjoying reading it. And you can find it at uh, Amazon. You can find it on Alistair's website, themacallmethod.com. And you can also uh, just go to tennisfoz.com slash champion minded uh, and that'll take you directly to uh, the book on Amazon and so I also would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast you can do that on iTunes if you go to tennisfiles.com slash iTunes or you can also just subscribe on whatever app you use to listen to the show uh, and I always like to leave you with a quote one quote that I'd like to read to you today is from Arthur Ashe, and he said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And that quote is actually in James Blake's newest book, Ways of Grace, and a little uh, teaser for you, I was able to actually speak with James for about uh, 15 to 20 minutes, and uh, it was really an honor to speak with him uh, as well, and so I'll be uh, probably publishing that as a podcast episode uh, for the next one. I know it's a little bit short, but it's still really cool to hear from uh, you know a great player such as James. So that'll be coming to you in some format soon, whether that's through my uh, you know to my subscribers or on uh, on podcast form. But yeah, I really appreciate you guys uh, tuning into the show, and uh, we'll definitely see you next time on another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.